Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Salutations, Mets fans, and welcome to this week's edition of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and with me this week is Brian Salvatore. Brian, I mentioned this, I think, in both 180 and 181, but the Atlanta Braves are not a good baseball team. I had Liz Rocher of The Good Fight, and also Big League Stew and the Hardball Times, over last night to watch the Mets-Phillies game up good time was had by mostly me but during that evening we played a game where i tried to guess the Braves' starting lineup for that night i only got two players right so in terms of the spirit of the if you remember, remember the end of the 2009 season when the mets had all those injuries uh-huh. the uh, braves like trivia question on their broadcast the last day of the season was name a met <laughs> so we're going to get them back here on amazing avenue audio how many starters in the Atlanta Braves lineup tonight against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Game is going on as we record on Wednesday night. Can you name? All right, let's see. Um, you have to give me the position, too. Well, Freddie Freeman's playing first. Yes. We got... Um, 
Oh, there's a there's a former Oriole in their outfield playing left for them. I want to say Nick Markakis. Nick Mark- left. He's playing right. I right. Keep okay. Confusing Nick Markakis with Nick Swisher. I've done that like three times now. <laughs> like on both of the podcasts and with Liz last night. Okay. Uh, that might be the extent of what I can do. That's it, really. I did manage. Uh, I did manage to get Eric Ibar at shortstop. I remembered that. Okay. I, Newcomb I, trade. I probably could have figured that one out. Um, I would have missed on third base tonight because it's not Adonis Garcia. It's Daniel Castro. That just sounds like a made-up baseball game. I know it's real, but you know, it's just it's. Uh, X Matt Kelly Johnson is at second. And okay. the two outfielders you missed are Malik Smith in center and Jace Peterson in left. Yeah, I have not been watching much much non-Mets baseball yet this season, so I, w- those I are... wouldn't pick the Braves as my first, <laughs> like at the top of my MLB TV rotation. And yeah, but still, that's AJ, pretty pathetic. Also, AJ Pruszynski behind the plate. I oh, I still forget he's a thing. He is still playing Major League Baseball. Yeah, as are the Mets, and they're doing a better job of it this week. And we'll talk about it a little bit on episode 182 of Amazing Avenue Audio. I think it was three and five we did our last show. The Mets are now seven and six, entering play tonight with Bart on the mound against the Phillies. So if last week was Panic City Town Hall meeting, this is John Carpenter's escape from Panic City. <laughs> I'm happy to be on the boat out of the city. I mean, this was always going to happen. All the things we talked about last week came to pass. David Wright looks a little bit better. Jonas Cespedes started putting balls over the fence. You know, Walker is suddenly hitting well from the right side. Noah Syndergaard is <laughs> still just putting up straight pornography on Brooks baseball. 102 mile an hour two-seamer. I saw that last night. It's, it's unreal. Not natural. Two nights ago. Two nights ago, rather. Now they've gotten behind. The Indians, I guess, are okay. They're a quality Major League Baseball team. The Phillies are probably not. No, but it was, it was you know, obviously it was small sample size theater, but it was a little bit worrisome how much trouble the Mets had with the Phillies in the first series they played them. So this is nice to see. They're doing what you should do to a bottom-tier baseball team. Right, if you have Danes on competition. You got to... Uh... Beat up the bad teams, so they were so good at last year down the stretch. Mm-hmm. That one loss, though, was against the Indians on Saturday. Matt Harvey not looking so good, Brian. Last no. week, I think Steve and I were both a one on Matt Harvey on the Panic City Panic Meter. Is there any more cause from concern? Cause for concern a week later? Slightly, perhaps. But, you know, it's it's still very, very early to be that panicked about Harvey. I mean, I, I think the biggest bit of concern is that his velocity has been down. You know, and he's, he's walking more folks than he normally does. But in terms of overall panic, three starts isn't enough to necessarily panic me too much. Especially because in those three starts, he uh, he has shown signs of old Harvey there. You know, it's not like there has been nothing on his pitches. He's had a couple of good moments in those games. 
It's just that they've, especially in the first game, uh, opening day, it's gotten away from him a little bit, but I don't think it's any cause for total panic yet. Has your panic meter gone up at all? I think the fact that it dropped so much within the actual start is a little concerning to me. Mm-hmm. I noticed at the ballpark I was in Lakewood, so I was just checking Twitter between innings and catching up later. But, you know, it, it wasn't like he was sitting 91 to 93 even. He was like down to 88 by the end of the start. That's not normal. It could just be a dead arm period. Those things do happen. I think when we know more to see how he recovers from it in his next start, which I guess is, let's say, Saturday? Is that right? Who's going Friday? Matt's. Yeah, Matt's follows Cologne, I think. No, you're right. I think Cologne's, uh, you're right. Harvey's going Friday. Matt's going Saturday. Syndicard's Sunday. I thought DeGrom was going Sunday now. Oh, I don't know. He's going sometime this weekend. The three yeah. games that, that is coming up. <laughs> and when he pitches in that game, we'll have a better idea of how concerned we actually need to be. But it's not a major problem right now because Stephen Matt's Looked like a major league pitcher, not one that should be sent to Triple A after one start. No, Syndergaard is still very good. Jacob Degrom's back. Bart is Bart, and Logan Verrett was serviceable. And the Mets are over five hundred. I have nothing to add to that. That's exactly correct. The uh, you know, the the beauty of this Mets starting rotation is that even if the Harveys of the world have a rough patch, there is enough other good pitching there to not make it hurt so much. This isn't the 2011-2012 Mets where if the one or two decent pitchers went down, you were stuck with you know the dregs of the uh, waiver wire starting the games. Yes. No uh, Tim Reddings. No. Ryan Lawrence. Aaron Laffey. We've gone over these names before on the podcast, and they... I'm sure conjure up very strong sense memories in all of us. <laughs> I was at one of those Tim Redding starts. I definitely saw Jeremy Gonzalez pitch for the Mets. So did I. I think I saw Gonzalez and Lima in the same season. I wound up somehow at three Jorge Sosa starts. That's impressive. In one season. Yeah. I've seen John Neese more than I really wanted to, too, but you know, I, I, I think he's it was an actual major league starter. Yeah. I think it was 2014, I wound up at a bunch of Dylan G starts, which is always a disappointment. Mm. It's just we're in a weird spot now because the Mets are going to be okay. Probably a good baseball team of some variety. But it's only 13 games in, so there's not really that much to talk about with any sort of concreteness. No, I mean, you know, you you guys ran down the worries pretty well last week, but I think the biggest sigh of relief is just that the hitting has been, well, quite good, but just that they've been hitting the ball. They've been putting balls in play hard, and they've been putting some balls over the fence, which is going to happen in Philadelphia, but still, it's nice to see. And up and down the lineup, too. Like we said, it's a balanced one through eight now. It's not just two or three guys carrying the team over the last week. Everyone's uh, chipped in. Now, I know you guys talked about Wright for quite a bit, and obviously he's going to have his good game still, but do you feel that he's looked considerably better the last couple days? I mean, he does love hitting in Citizen Bank Park. I don't know how real that is. I mean, it's real. He loves hitting in Citizen Bank Park. I don't know if it 
means anything going forward. Um, yeah, like I said, he's going to get his. I made a joke on Twitter about uh, oh, is 0 for 1. welcoming our new breaking ball. It's 0 and 1. 2007 David Wright overlords. For some reason, not for the moon. my MLB TV started up again. I don't know why. But if he hits, you know, 280 with walks and 15 homers in however many games he plays, I think that's not impossible. It was nice to see him not look so foolish on fastballs the last week or so. Yeah. And it might just be kind of a thing where he has his good stretches and his bad stretches, depending on how he's feeling. And how they end up managing that, I don't know. And if we even really know... Or if that'll just be noise within the normal sort of ups and downs across 162 games, it's kind of hard to... It's all conjecture. Like, nobody's, as far as I can tell, has really, like, played with a degenerative back condition for long periods of time. I mean, I guess Don Mattingly. But I feel like Mattingly's last good season came when he was uh, even younger than Wright is now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm still a little wary about him playing third base and how that looks going forward. And they played, I, I just think, don't know what the other their... option is. Yeah, there really isn't one right now. I do think it's funny that they played most of their road. No, not most, but a good chunk of their road interleague games so far already. I don't think he's DH'd once. And I know Cespedes had the knee bruise and they're doing whatever they were doing in Kansas City, DHing Conforto for some reason to get the extra lefty in or improve the defense as uh, Terry Collins saw fit. But, yeah. I don't know. Michael Conforto's looked good at the plate. Joanna Cespedes looked good at the plate. Walker's looked excellent. Duda seems to be heating up a bit. Like I said, one through uh, eight. It's been nice seeing Cabrera hit. Yeah. That's all I got. It's 13 games into the season. I don't have much else. We do have some emails, though. And before we do. We, we do. We got four of them. We had two this morning. We ended up with four. That's how it usually goes. Here on Amazing Avenue Audio. This is episode 182 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast. Your SB Nation, New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. Why did I say that? I'm, saying, I'm doing the intro again. I'm very tired. I think I'm coming down with something. So it's not going to be a very long show, as you might have already guessed. So we have to answer the emails and things can spiral out of control. Amazing Avenue is a website. It's the official. <laughs> oh, good Lord. What are you drinking tonight, Jeff? I'm drinking water. <laughs> I did tie it on a little bit with Liz Rocher last night, though. So that might be. I don't think that's the main problem, but it may be exacerbating the problem as well. Fair enough. You can find Amazing Avenue on the internet at AmazingAvenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. And join our Facebook group at Facebook.com backslash Amazing Avenue. You listen to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Amazing Avenue Audio and you can listen or subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast. Have the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com 
slash Amazing Avenue, or listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post at Amazing Avenue proper. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. My co-host this week is Brian Salvatore. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Somewhere in there was the actual housekeeping. These are your emails. You can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. First email is from one of our many Michaels. Hello, esteemed hosts. What's the deal with that PED story that came out this offseason about Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Howard, Peyton Manning, and former Met legend Taylor Teagarden? The Ryans have strongly denied the reports. Peyton retired and was too busy defending his sexual harassment accusation from 20 years ago, but Taylor Teagarden was suspended 80 games in the last week or so. Usually when there's smoke, there's fire with these stories, and the fact that one of the four accused has already taken a suspension means there's definitely some merit to the story. Do you expect Howard or Zim to wave bye-bye this summer for two months? I know they're shells of their former selves, but they're still dangerous hitters at times, and both have a knack for spoiling Met pitching. Curious for your thoughts, Mike. I have no idea how baseball handles these things. I, T-Garden, I think, was actually like on video admitting he took some sort of performance-enhancing substance, or banned substance, at least. So that might have made it a little bit easier for Major League Baseball. I'm sure they're investigating how hard they want to go after Zimmerman and Howard. I don't know. We saw what they were willing to do during the A-Rod investigation, all manners of dirty tricks with their sort of investigative wing of Pinkertons. Yeah, so, I don't know what to make of this. You know, it's uh, on one hand, I don't think that Mike is wrong here. You know, Teagarden being suspended after being named in this report is certainly cause for investigation. But all of this stuff is done with zero transparency. So yes. it's very hard to know what the process is or anything regarding any aspect of this, really. Until it breaks in the media, we're not going to know any of this. So, you know, I agree that because one of the four was named in this, it's one of the, one of the four named has been suspended, makes it worth looking out for. But I don't feel I'm qualified to offer an opinion on whether or not Zimmerman or Howard is going to be suspended for this. Yes, one of those things we won't find out until it like leaks at 4 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah, exactly. So that's usually how this thing, or MLB releasing a statement. Now, because the there's dire no, retirement uh, announcement redo. Because they're fairly high-profile players, I guess, still, there might be at least a little more general media interest in it that might keep some sort of logs on the fire for news around it. Obviously, they meet with MLB as part of an investigation. I imagine that will get reported. But if yeah. this was 2008, this was a huge story. Right. In 2016, considerably less so. Next email is from Jesse. On the concept that no one knows if throwing 95 mile an hour sliders will cause your arm to explode, could Syndergaard do more to limit his situational use of the pitch? He's got enough stuff to get by without it until the higher leverage innings. He'd essentially be his own Araldus Chapman. As a postscript, these silly pitchers seem legit and top it off. They're probably pretty able to reload payroll to $150 million without Howard. Make the NL East a lot tighter in a hurry. I looked at Brooks. I think he's throwing the slider around 25% of the time this year, which is roughly what Harvey was throwing it in 2013. I think you have to keep in mind it's more of a, you know, it's not as high stress as a slider 
a true slider because it's more of a grip pitch. Theoretically, I have no evidence to present here that will convince you, but it seems like that should be true, potentially. I mean, throwing 101 isn't can also cause your arm to explode. Right. <laughs> you know, just fastballs. But yeah, he can mix in other stuff as the season goes on. I don't know. Um, it is tough to you know, lay out that 95-mile-an-hour slider when it's giving like a 33% whiff rate or whatever ungodly number it is right now. Like, no one I'll, can hit it. Yeah. I also think that if you're limiting your use of it, you're going to limit your refinement of it. Yeah. So it, and it's, it, it it's going to become newest, a pitch. It is the newest pitch in his arsenal, too. So Yeah. So it, it's not going to have necessarily the same bite to it if he's only throwing it 5 or 8% of the time. And at that point, why are you throwing it if you're not going to throw it to its maximum effectiveness? And if he's going to break, he's going to break. I don't know necessarily that there's much the Mets can do to accelerate that or to prevent it. Pitchers break. It's what they do, as Toby Hyde said. Or has been known to say. Um, yeah, the Phillies are going to be good in a couple of years. Yeah. it's uh, They're very... Capable of spending money to reload. Ownership's done it before. You know, past the guys that are playing in this series, and yeah, it's not a not a great team, certainly. They have a lot of close to major league ready impact talent on the farm. You know, JP Crawford, the most notable prospect there, but also Nick Williams and Jake Thompson, who they got in the Cole Hamels deal. And they have a general manager who might know the difference between a plate appearance and a bat. Possibly. Might. Might. You could argue the one thing they're missing is sort of a true top-of-the-rotation starter, depending on how you feel about Vincent Velasquez being Dwight Gooden. Probably not as strongly as you did last week. <laughs> and Velasquez has also never stayed healthy for a full season. But there's like guys like Aaron Nola and Jake Thompson and... Yeah, I guess even Mark Appel, though. Probably not Mark Appel. Could be very good Major League starters. So there's a an interesting variety of talent down on that farm. Of course, they have the first overall pick this year, too. And like at the Major League level, they have useful players. Mikhail Franco's pretty good. You know, Aaron out there, when he's healthy, is a nice player. I don't know if Odubel Herrera is the center fielder on the next playoff Phillies team, but he's certainly probably a part of it. So, uh, yeah. And then whatever they want to do, they're all going to be cheap, cost-controlled players for the next few years. I don't think... uh, I guess Franco has the most service time. I mean, it's like a year for all those dudes. So I don't know how what the what the medium term strategy is in Philadelphia, but it's not going to take much to make them competitive. I think they'll be competitive before the Braves. I know the Braves have the big sexy farm system now because they traded everything that wasn't nailed down. Um, but I like the top of the Phillies farm system better. I think there's eh, the Braves probably have more depth. 
but they also have a long way to go. The scary answer here is that the NL East is going to be good for a long time, and the Mets system doesn't necessarily stack up. Yeah, but the Mets system's already graduated like a ton of young high end talent. Oh, absolutely. That's but you're wondering if for the next like, like again, I sort of look at three year horizons here. Okay, the Mets are there. They have all their guys up and being productive. The Phillies and Braves still have to develop those players, and there's going to be misses. There have been for the Mets over these last few years too. So, I'm not so much worried about the three year window. I'm thinking more the five or six yeah, year window. I'll, I'll take who, the normal Greg Karam approach here. We could all be dead in five years. That's true. <laughs> Our next email is from Andrew. Hey, Jeff and co-host, if we assume that Rosario is a future shortstop and Dilson is a future second baseman, would Shikini be a viable third baseman? I know he's had a lot of throwing errors at AA last season. Is this issue accuracy or arm strength or both? Would his bat even be acceptable at third base? Thanks for taking the time to answer. Um, Chikini is not viable as an everyday starter at third base. But if you think Chikini is more of a good utility type, you know, roll 45 middle infield bench bat, then yeah, maybe you can play third base on occasion. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything in Chikini's profile that says natural third baseman. Either offensively or defensively. Right. I mean, if anything, if, if he's going to move and become a regular, it's the, it's the right side of the diamond. It's not the left side of the diamond. Mm-hmm. Because of the uh, physical profile and the glove profile. But if he's a guy that plays a little second, a little short, and a little third, yeah, he can play a little third. But, you know, I take as an everyday guy, let's say Wright absolutely has to move off the position by 2017. I think they probably put Wilmer Flores there at third base every day, and that's probably the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of anybody else in the system that makes sense for next year. They don't or have even a lot of like, third base options. Like Urania, but he's still on advanced day and still not hitting. You know, Eudor Garcia will eventually be at advanced day, but I'm not really convinced he's a third base, but and those guys are two years away at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Anyway. This kind of thing that sorts itself out, usually. Yup. I wouldn't call it a good problem to have when these guys are really slam dunk starting major league infielders. I think Herrera probably is the closest to a slam dunk of the three. Yeah, I'm writing about him for the this week in minor league baseball at BP Mets, because I am kind of curious about how they handle him going forward. So I'm sort of ruminating on that. So I'm not entirely sure, especially with Walker hitting home runs, at least. Our final email is from Tom. Has Logan Verrett's performance changed your projection of him at all? I'm sure he's not going to put up a zero point nice ERA long term, but he's had the two good starts this year following two solid and two not great starts last year. Small sample, I know, but it seems like he could be actually a useful back-end starter long-term. What do you see as his 50th or 75th percentile outcome at this point? Stats slash performance-wide, could he be a Dylan G? Better than that, John Neese. So we're setting our bars, unfortunately. But um, I wanted to look this up. So he's had two good starts 
against the Phillies and the Marlins. And he pitched really well against the Rockies. The Rockies last like year, call, yeah. Call last yes. year. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, that's the reason you're a number four starter is because often, in part, you're able to beat up on the bad teams and the, the better offenses do a number on you. Let's see. His two not-so-solid starts last year were against well, Atlanta and Philly, who are not particularly good offenses. <laughs> so maybe we'll just call it a small sample size for now. Uh, it hasn't really changed the projection. I mean, this is what he can do. When he has the slider working, it's a pitch that can miss Major League bats. And he can do enough around it. You know, he gets a average-ish fastball. He commands average-ish. You know, a show-me curve and a decent change. And he mixes his pitches well. He'll battle. You know, he's going to give up some home runs because of his his profile. The fact that he throws a lot of sliders and doesn't have a great fastball. But he can... I think his 50th percentile outcome is still something like what he's doing right now, which is guy that can take a couple starts when somebody's on the DL or should have been on the DL. Functionally was on the DL and you just played short for 15 days. And otherwise gives you an inning or two out of the pen as like a higher effort guy where maybe the fastball plays up a little bit. I haven't split it out by his like reliever numbers, but I would guess he's probably more like a 91 to 93 touch 94 guy as a reliever. At least a few relief appearances I saw last year. It's about where he was. And past that, if you have know, a 70th percentile outcome, number four starter, yeah, that could happen. There's, it's, it's like guys like that, it's always tough because there's a whole bunch of dudes that look like Logan Verrett in any given year. Guys in other systems. And I can't. It's sort of what. You know, I think Jacob DeGrom was a better prospect than Logan Verrett was. But the sort of, yeah, it could be a number four or a number five, but probably is better in the pen. That's like every team has two of them like just outside their top ten lists, basically. For the Mets but be is like, he really better in the pen? It's, it's, it's more of a class description than like a specific projection. I think he is. Okay, he can be fa- I think he can be fastball slider there and the fastball plays up a little more. but it's for guys that don't really have a third major league out pitch or a big fastball. It's, you know, the, the two Mets examples right now are probably like Gabriel Yano and Chris Flexen. Like, they could be back-end starters, but they probably end up as relievers. You know, Hansel Robles, eh, Robles was always going to be a reliever, but, you know, you see guys like this, especially in double-A, like good but not spectacular double-A starters. And I think the, the reality is also that on many other teams, he is far more valuable right now than he is to the Mets because of the Mets starting pitching depth. And sure, come I'm, July, I'm, he'll be even less valuable. Yeah, I suppose. But, I mean, he is this team's sixth starter, and he's good enough that that's a useful thing for the Mets. On another team, he's probably in the starting rotation. Right. Like on a second division team, he is, you know, yeah, he's Dylan G for somebody. For the 2011 through 2014 Mets. Yeah. 
is in the starting rotation. Right. And he makes 100 starts on those teams, probably. But I like Logan Verrett. Like I said, I think he's a, a useful major league arm. I don't think the needle's really moved. I mean, you saw what he can do when he's good. You can saw, you've seen what he can do when he's not so good, and he's just having good starts right now. I don't think there's been like a, a change in the profile per se. He's not suddenly, you know, throwing a 95-mile-an-hour slider or anything mm. like other pitchers we may know. Those are your emails. Once again, you can email the podcast at podcast at masonavenueaudio.com. Now it's time for your IFK Gothenburg update. Another draw. 1-1 with a... What was that? Was it Kalmar? I feel like it was Kalmar. I didn't write this down. Usually I write this stuff down. Let's see. I think it was Kalmar FF at home. Is that right? It was Kalmar FF at home. Went behind early, got a penalty, and a red guy sent off in the 53rd minute. Emil Salmonson converted the penalty, but they could not find a winner despite playing up a man for uh, 40 minutes. A little bit disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Uh, IFK currently sit in fourth in the Elstenskin Liga, a point off of first, which is a three-way tie between Jugarden. Last year's champs, IFK Norshoping, and somebody, which I believe this is a newly promoted side, called Jankapings S. Just, it's probably something after S. It's probably SK. I just think ESPN does not allow for enough characters for the Osvenskan Liga teams. Or at least their mobile app doesn't. This weekend, they're at Ourobro SK. The converting penalties this year, which is better than last year. So that's an improvement. And it's, you could argue their inability to convert penalties costs them the uh, title. Some big penalty misses down the stretch. The 2015 Alstenskin Liga. Do I have anything to plug? Uh, I had a piece go up at BP today with the Effectively Wild season previews over. Playing actual baseball games now. I am back on a weekly writing schedule at Baseball Prospectus. And I wrote about eating uh, fried pork product. It was really good. It was a uh, funnel What cake, kind of fried pork product was it? A funnel cake batter fried pork roll that they Oof. serve at uh, First Energy Field in Lakewood. Yeah, I've been looking forward to like sounds... getting like a it was going to be like a Pete Wells homage parody kind of review. But then it was really good and it kind of ruined my lead <laughs> and then I wrote 1200 words about it anyway before I even got to talking about A-ball baseball players. Sounds delicious. It was very good. I was surprised, horrified. Went back the next day. They didn't have it in stock. I'm like, really? Just go to Costco. <laughs> Buy another. It's not like you have to. This is not an artisanal product. You're not sourcing it from local farmers. It's not a barbecue shack where, you know, when you sell out, you only smoke a certain amount. For the, just go and buy some more. It's southern Jersey. You can find it. I learned some fun things about it. They can't legally be called ham because of the Food and Drug Purity Act of 1906. 
And I already th- I always thought it was Taylor Ham was a Jersey thing and pork roll pork roll was a Philly thing. No, it's a North it's Star- a North, North South, South thing. Apparently. Yeah, I I live in Taylorham country. Okay. Um, but the great Ween sings about pork roll, egg and cheese, and they're mm. from South Jersey. So I learned a lot about uh North uh, New Jersey pork nomenclature. I can give you a, a, a brush up if you ever need it. Keep that in mind. Yeah. The actual series was okay. Two of the more interesting prospects both went on the DL shortly before I got there, which is a thing that often happens. And I'm off this week. This is my only weekend off from minor league coverage, I think, for the next six. So I'm going to go see Sheffield Wednesday, try and lock up a playoff spot on the road against Darby County. 7 a.m. on Saturday. Huzzah. <laughs> and after that, I'm getting another look at Binghamton in New Hampshire. So you have that look to look forward to. And I think I'm back in New Hampshire to get my first look at the Hartford team because the Hartford Stadium's not built. Even Still? Though I can, uh, May 31st. Okay. Even though I can... I can, well, I can't really see the Hartford Stadium from my house, but I can be there in five minutes. Probably then 20 minutes to park, but... So it goes. And I haven't planned out past that yet, but there'll be more uh, trials and tribulations and travels. I got to see Redding. I got to see Lehigh Valley. I probably should see West Virginia. I think they're in Lakewood in early June. I think Is big... Lakewood worth a trip? Yes. They're actually once Gruyon's healthy, they've got their pitching's not great. Colome is their only real prospect in the starting rotation, and he's kind of a mess right now, from what I've heard. Um, I wasn't there for his start yesterday, but another one of our BP prospect writers, uh, Jarrett Seidler, who also writes at BP Mets, was and says he's a bit of a mess right now, which could happen. He was throwing a dry pen on Sunday. And they were just working on like mechanicals, like hip drive stuff. And his command has been all over the place this year, at least looking at the stats. But uh, it's an interesting little team. Cornelius Randolph, their first round pick last year, is there. Um, some people like Jose Pujols. I don't like Jose Pujols. But it's one of those, when Jarrett and I were comparing notes last week, it's like one of those series where you look at it and you're going to look back five years from now and like, four guys on that team had a cup of coffee in the majors at least mm. you're probably better off i'll say unless you're really invested in getting the fried pork roll which mm. i i can't judge you for that i kind of am myself now you're better off sort of cherry picking a better south atlantic league team like uh not this weekend but next weekend greenville is in town uh boston's aval affiliate and that's a pretty good roster so might be better off planning around that. You know, with an eight-week-old baby at home, I'm just looking for any excuse to get that to a ball game. So there you go. I always love that park. It's a great facility. Staff there is really easy to work with. I've been going there for years now. It's actually a shorter drive than Binghamton, though it was not on Friday because I hit two different construction sites on the Merritt. Only how long does it take you from Connecticut to get there? 
I don't hit two construction sites on the merit, it's like three hours and 15 minutes. That shouldn't be bad for me at all, then. Yeah, it's not awful. Back when my wife lived in Brooklyn, I just popped right over uh, Staten Island and over whatever that is, the, what do they call it? The outer. The Gethels. The Gethels, yeah. Um, was on that last week. That was like 50 minutes. It wasn't bad at all. I wouldn't even have to get a hotel room. But my Lakewood trips are always sort of cursed. A couple of years ago, I was going to see, was it Rainy Lara? I was going to see Rainy Lara pitch in A-ball. It's like the middle game of a three-game series, but the uh, there was an accident on the GSP, like right after it splits, mm-hmm. and uh, my side got completely shut down for like hours. They literally had to turn. Looks us like ar- it's about an hour and forty minutes from my house. They literally had to like turn us around and drive back north in the southbound express lane, and then switch at the whatever it was. I think it was like a police depot like a state police station or something so I just sort of sat there for three hours or so it was great I think I listened it's to fast. an entire Mets game <laughs> it's actually faster for me to get to the Iron Pig Stadium I think yeah Valley that's uh that if you're going to see Affiliates Affiliate this year that's the one to see the Reading is also I've been there a few well. times but Lehigh Valley is loaded it has a lot of the guys we discussed and Jesse's email, at least for now. I don't know how quick they're going to be to call those guys up. And suddenly this has turned into a Phillies podcast. We should probably end it. <laughs> probably. I can drink some more water and go to bed. It's probably a good plan. Does you have anything else you want to talk about? That's related no. or otherwise now? No, I, I just reviewed the new Sturgelson Simpson record if you're a a fan of that sort of thing. It's quite good. Good to know. Yeah, I don't know much else. It's kind of a low energy edition. I apologize for that. It happens. You're not feeling well, and not feeling you know, well. the Mets are playing okay. So it's a long season. It's a lot of podcasts. This is like my third podcast. Oh, you know, Cespedes just tied the game with a homer per my phone. Oh. You can watch the rest yep. of the Mets game. It's a good there idea it is. Too. So we'll uh, talk about this ongoing Mets game, maybe, and other things next week on another edition of Amazing Avenue Audio.